Hello, Church! Welcome to Sunday Sermons. I am Pastor Brett, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Centerbrook, Connecticut. And it has been a while, like seven or eight months since I've posted content. And I'm going to be honest, I have gotten some messages asking what is going on. So first, an apology. In February, my wife and I welcomed another baby into our household, Jane Edith, and she's perfect. But then the world shut down soon after, and I had to figure out how to pastor my church in a new way. And, and in the midst of all that, I've, I've gotten a generous amount of parental leave. And, and then we had to figure out how to reopen um, safely this summer and, and what that meant. And you might think all of, all of this meant more time for tinkering around on, on this podcast stuff, something I know nothing about anyways, but um, you'd be wrong. So I had to reprioritize my time, and, and, and here we are an apology. But I've got a bunch of sermons recorded now, and I'll start posting, um, including a sermon series we've begun that I think you'll enjoy. I'm actually not going to post from the beginning of that series right now, though. We we had an election in the United States last week, a pretty contentious presidential election, has finally concluded. Instead, I'm going to post this post-election sermon I just preached to my congregation. So today's message comes from the middle of the sermon series, from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 1 to 2 and 4 through 7. So if you've got your Bible handy, open it up to the prophet and and read along. Otherwise, hear these words from the sacred scripture. Sermon reading today is from the prophet Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. Verses 1 to 2 and 4 to 7. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. The skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. It said this, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters, increase in numbers there and do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So we also, um, in this country, are in a period of transition. That's not surprising. And for some, this moment of transition is elating and exciting and hopeful and um, has a long time coming, four years coming. But for others, this is a moment of trepidation and fear and anxiety. And the interesting thing about this four-year transition period is it offers a chance to relate to one another, depending on what side you're on. Because um, four years ago, you were on either side of that, those emotions. 
So if you're feeling uh, elation right now and joy and hope, then four years ago, you know what it's like to be on the other side right now. You know what I'm saying? And I had debated whether or not to bring up anything about um, the election season or politics or, or anything right now because our property guy, Don Roach, you, you know Don, I hope, um, he, he always talks about coming to church on Sunday morning and this place as being sanctuary for him. He says, Pastor, this is a place of peace for me, and I just love coming here because it offers me a chance to get away from everything else out there. So that in here, it's just peace and a moment with the Lord. And so here's, here's my commitment. I won't talk too much specific about specific politics. But, but rather, what, what do we do in moments of uncertainty that so many people feel in this transition? We're in the middle of this sermon series called Unraveled, and which is basically, what, what do you do when things fall apart? and What questions do we ask God, and how is God speaking in the middle of that? And, and the theme for today is when dreams unravel. What do you do when your dreams and your hopes and all those things unravel? When it's hard to see a future, how do you move forward when dot, dot, dot? How do you move forward? And so Jeremiah, this, this prophet, uh, writes this letter in chapter 29. And he writes it when the world really does end. Um, at least for them. The Babylonians have come through and they've ransacked Jerusalem. They've, they've taken over and... and Whatever leadership they haven't killed, they've sent to exile. They destroyed, looted and destroyed the temple and the place that God dwells. So many questions around what that means. And people in the streets are, have, are dying and dead and hungry and starving. And, and artisans and craftsmen and, and people, they're separated from their families. People thrown into exile, into this world and place that they've never been before. With people that they don't know, families are left behind. I mean, people's worlds genuinely have come to an end. And that question of what do you do when the future, how do you move forward, it's, it's all in question. In a way that we can't even imagine. If you read the Bible and you read about this time from places like the Book of Lamentations and others, I mean, it's so heartbreaking. We, we couldn't even imagine it today. So Jeremiah, this nobody prophet, I mean, he's just a, he's really just this nobody guy. He, he has the responsibility of writing this pastoral letter to these folks who are left in exile, who've been sent away to this place of no return. And why him? I mean, in one sense, there's nobody left. In another sense, he's ordained by God for it. So he writes this letter to this exiled community, and he could have said anything. He could have said, you know, listen, you, you who have been chosen by God, don't give up. God is powerful and righteous, and God will not abandon you. And he would be right in saying that. He could say, God will liberate you. Hold on. Hold fast to what is good. 
Our God is a God who liberates you. Remember your past. Remember the work God did with Moses. God liberates. And he would be right to say that. Remember, they, they are liberated eventually. He could have said, you know, God, God will not let this injustice go unpunished. He could have said, hold on, hold fast, hold on to faith, hold tight. A better day is coming. And he would be right. That would be perfectly in line with what all the other prophets say in Scripture when times are tough. But he doesn't say any of that, does he? No. Instead, he says, plant gardens. Build houses. Get married and have children. Settle down. Seek peace. Not only that, but he says, seek peace for the city that you dwell in, which, can you imagine? Wow. Then he says, pray to the Lord for this, for where your prayers prosper, so do you. It's almost as if anything else in the world, if he said anything else, it would have been completely disingenuous. Right? If he had said, God is mighty and powerful and will get you through that. Have you ever been in a tragic moment in your life when someone had said something like that? It might be true, but in the time, it doesn't feel like it. When the world is collapsing on you, it's not always the most helpful thing. I mean, my, when, my, when my brother, on his 15th birthday, was diagnosed with cancer, my father was dealing with the uncertain fate of his son, someone in my family who person of deep faith and love for my brother and my father had said to my my daddy she said um, this is hold fast this is part of God's plan we don't know what what will happen but God has you hold fast God has a plan and my dad has never been more angry about anything anyone has ever said in his whole life And it might be true. Who are we to know God's plan? I, I would never presume. But at the time, it just seemed so disingenuous and so far from what a person needs at the moment, right? Because it doesn't address my fear and anxiety in the moment. So it's almost as if when, when Jeremiah the prophet is writing this letter, he's, his advice is, is this. He's, what he's saying is, Live the best you can with the hand you've been dealt. Live the best life you can with the circumstances you've been given. And church, I will tell you that whatever anxiety we're feeling as a nation and and as a people as we go forward today, maybe that's the good word for us from the good book today. Live as best you can with the circumstances you're given. Whatever that means for you as we go forward. Grow where you're planted. It's a new day. We just have to live. Together. There's this tendency for winners of anything, really, to want to comfort losers. (laughs) 
We all want to do it, you know. So if you're part of the winning side of this election, you want to tell those who are really worried and anxious right now to say, it's going to be okay. Listen, you're worried about nothing. Our guy's got this. He's awesome. It's a new day. We're so excited. All this change is great. But there's a reason the losers didn't vote for the new, the, the new person, right? They're, you saying that is a little disingenuous. There, there's anxiety and fear around this change. It would be as if that person four years ago said that to you. It's fine. This change is good. Could you imagine being on that side? It doesn't connect. Whether or not it's true for either side, it doesn't matter. It feels disingenuous. It doesn't address fear and worry and anxiety. My grandfather uh, was a politician, and he had lost plenty of elections. And there's this one sort of famous story in our family that he, he had run for state rep and, and lost by seven. We, we're trying to f- agree on a number, and the, the number everyone seems to go back to is 17 votes. It was remarkably close. And to lose an election is heartbreaking, but to lose an election by 17 votes cuts you deep. And so everyone was upset for him and angry for him and just torn apart. And, and the newspaper and everyone had asked him, so what are you going to do? Or, you know, recount, you know, what, what's the deal? And he said, no. He says, why are you ups, upset? What we got to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up the next day and I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to take care of my family. Because there is nothing more important in the world than my family. And I'm just going to live my life. Because this is not something that we can be, I'm going to let creep on me. And it's something that he's always taught us, you know. You, you do the best you can with what you got. And you move on. You set plans and you do the best you can. And we're we're called as people of faith to walk into each day with our faith, not knowing what the day will bring, but doing the very best we can. But the thing is, as people of God, as people, as believers, we, we believe that we're not walking into each day, into each situation alone. John 14 says, Jesus says in this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Believe in God. Believe also in me, he says. He goes on, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. You know him for he lives in you and will be in you. Then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. And he won't. He never will. When our dreams unravel and our futures are unknown and our anxiety rises and the, and the worry about the future grips us. And it's not just politics. I know there's people in this church that are in a few weeks going for major surgeries and going through horrible divorces. And you don't know how you're going to navigate these, this web of ugly relationships and and, and worried about debt and job insecurity and, and loss of loved ones, and you don't know how you're going to walk through the world now. When, this, when the murkiness of tomorrow faces us, we don't walk into that uncertainty alone. So for anyone to tell you, though, that, that tomorrow is going to be easy and simple and peachy roses and, and any of that, that kind of talking, that might be disingenuous today. 
For those of you who might be worried about the election and stuff, to say, it's fine, it's going to be good, our guy won. That might be disingenuous for you to hear today. But I do know that the future rests in the hands of a God who tells us to plant a garden. To plant seeds, Jesus would say. To keep faith. To live life as best we can with what we're given. Can't do better than that. And to pray. And as the prophet Jeremiah says, when our prayers are prosperous, so are we. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. I pray God reaches out to you today through a sermon, through the scriptures, through some unexpected conversation with a friend. And when God does, don't be afraid to reach back. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but it sure as heck is comforting knowing that we don't enter tomorrow alone. If you ever find yourself near Centerbrook, Connecticut, check us out. You can find more information about our church, Trinity Lutheran Church, um, about our services or about our COVID protocols online at tlccenterbrook.org. And if you've got prayer requests, send them my way, brett at tlccenterbrook.org. And you can find links to my socials on our website. And as always, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. God bless you.